Warren, that was, uh, was that beautiful? It's fantastic. Thank you so much for leading us this morning in worship and being able to uh, sing to us. That was great. That was great. Good morning. Ah, oh, you look terrific. Well done. Uh, you, uh, you may be uh, wondering who I am. If you don't know, I am, uh, uh, my name's Phil. I'm married to Michelle. Uh, she's currently in uh, France, so I'm uh, on mission, as you heard that, leading the pursuit school with Joel Featherson, our youth pastor of Willow Park Church. So I had, um, so first of all, the important thing you need to know is that I'm alone with three children. Um, so if I seem slightly punch drunk and slightly, oh, I'm juggling, uh, which is fine. I know, I know that those, uh, some of you sitting there going, oh, poor man. Um, but I'm, 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 I'm looking after an 11-year-old, which is always great fun, a 15-year-old, which needs wisdom, and a 19-year-old, I know, they're the hardest. Um, if you don't know, uh, I have two 19-year-olds, twin girls, Emily and Jessica. So they were born uh, 19 years ago, and... Um, <laughs> They, uh, they were t a terrific surprise in our life. Um, so Michelle and Joel and all the Pursuit students have been um, having um, great prayer times. They've been going into Cannes and they've been uh, sharing there in Normandy the, um, the love of God. Uh, there's migrants coming across Europe, as you know. And uh, this particular ministry just um, supports and prays with mainly Muslim communities, girls in white vans who are trafficked uh, in the sex trade. It's just a mess uh, in Normandy at the moment with the amount of migrants coming from North Africa and so on. And the only, in many ways, the only people that are responding to this crisis are the Christians. And uh, they are there because often the French ways to bulldoze the camps down, as you may hear, and, and push people on and try and send them to England. Um, uh, and, but they're there ministering, so today they've been feeding and um, uh, handing out lunches. It's Ramadan, so they, uh, they will eat them when, they, I guess, the sun goes down. And... Um, and they have been praying, and tonight they're in a church plant. So it's exciting what, our, our, what is happening with our evangelists and, and what they're engaging in, and it will be quite a shock for them in that. So, um, so do pray, and I know you've got a big heart for mission and everything that's taken, so many of you have a big heart for mission. And of course, as we look forward, we want to move forward in the mission of God that God has for us, yes? that we want to believe that uh, God is going to uh, work and minister. And thank you, Mike, for talking so clearly about the, uh, about the church members' meetings. There's a financial meeting at three, uh, and then there's the members' meeting. If you're not a member, just come anyway. It's open to everybody. If you attend, you can um, participate, you can be present, um, and uh, maybe you should now become a member. Uh, because right now, this today, they'll be voting to ratify the budget that pays for a full-time pastor. So we need you there. 
I need you to come down and get involved in the life of Willow Park Church. Willow Park Church is amazing. This last month, uh, you may know this, but in this valley, two MB churches closed in this valley. Uh, Epic Church closed, um, which was a church plant for the last three years with C2C. And, and uh, Penticton Grace Bible Chapel closed. Um, the average church plant in the Okanagan from scratch lasts three years. So a lot of people say to me, why do you see the purpose of the network? Well, I see the purpose of the network is because in times of lean times and, and a challenge, uh, we hold each other up. And that's the way the gospel should be. And I've often said to the denomination, you know, do you not want to, us to cut loose all of our campuses? We have six congregations and uh, let them become churches. They're like, no, we have too many weak churches under-resourced. But what we see with the larger churches is that they're able to resource the mission of God and God's work in, in an area. And we have to be strong together. We have to believe together. What God has built with uh, 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 the network of, of Willow Park Church, with our vision of distinctives, which is, we call real life, which is about uh, a redeemed life. We are gospel-centric, gospel-believing, gospel-preaching conversionists that believe in the power of Jesus Christ to revolutionize a life. And uh, you may say, is there any other kind of Christian? Well, there are. There are those that are, have liberalized the faith. There are those that believe that there's a religious process of, of, um, that you travel through, uh, through um, sacraments to gain your salvation. But you gain the salvation that when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. And so we, we are that, that church that believes in that. We're an empowered church. We believe in the power and the strength and the gifting of the Holy Spirit. And we believe in the empowerment through the inner sanctification of a life that is transformed through Jesus Christ. You see, the power of the Spirit not only gives us gifts and abilities, but the power of the Spirit gives us an inner transformation that comes and transforms our lives. It's called sanctification. And that's why we believe that sin is a dangerous thing. And that we believe that God wants to continually change us. We're an active church. We believe in the priesthood of all believers. You and I have a role. You and I are called as priests of the kingdom of God to involve and to move forward. What does that mean? Well, it means we have to fulfill our priestly duties. What are our priestly duties? Well, they vary in Scripture from attending to the Word of God daily in our lives. Read your Bible and pray every day. That is an offering in the temple of your life to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It's through service, through acts of kindness, acts of love. It's through ministry. It's through it's through reaching out. Paul said, I came and preached to you as a, as a living sacrifice. It is actively serving in ministry. It is being that person. It is mission. It is evangelism. And it is prayer. We're all called. The priests of all believers. And, and, and fourthly, a listening life. 
Uh, we're a church of prayer. We're pushing to be more of a church of prayer. You see, the, Satan hates a church that prays. You can build a church on charisma. You can build a church on promotion. But after a while, the sugar rush goes away. But you build longevity on a church that is built on prevailing prayer. And Satan hates it. And to build a church that at its very core has prayer is a step-by-step -step journey. It's about us journeying together. It can't be delegated. The lead pastor and the pastors and the elders and the senior church members, we must model prayer to everybody and be a people that model prayer. Can't be delegated. A lot of churches have gone into trouble when they've delegated prayer to prayer types. And it's suddenly the church has started to disintegrate because the board of elders are no longer setting the vision. And so I encourage our pastors that they have to be known for men of prayer, that are willing to pray, that are willing to seek God. And that prayer brings unity. That prayer is part of our journey. You, there's, there's three kinds of churches in North America. There are churches with no prayer, there are churches with prayer, and there are churches of prayer. Which church would you like to be part of? We've got to build prayer culture. We've got to be willing to do that. I've uh, watched incredibly the, the change in our own board of elders who have become so prayerful. A highlight for me was last December when we went to Fairhaven and for eight hours they prayed and sought the Lord. That's good news. I've had the privilege of having three chairmans and um, taking a chairman on a prayer walk for a day has been a real blessing to me. To walk for a day, to talk, to pray, to have lunch, to go on a prayer walk. There are very few North American churches where that's a value. Why do I tell you all of this? Well, because I believe in a great future for Creekside. Amen? But it's not a, it won't happen through a fleshly mindset. It happens through the Spirit. So I thought, what would I share with you? And look at the time. I've already taken 15 minutes. Well, no, actually 13 and a half minutes. Um, what am I going to share with you as I think about this? And shall I? Yes, I'll set my timer here. Um, resume. I put it on pause. That's always a problem, isn't it? Um, if you've got your Bibles, turn with me. We've been in Romans chapter 8, and I thought I would preach one of my favourite bits from Romans chapter 8 and let Chris get on with the uh, teaching and the team in terms of verse by verse. So I'm going to jump back a little bit to where you are, and I want us to turn to verse 5. Verse 5 is the verse that really deeply inspired me recently. In this journey, it's one of those moments where the Lord flattened me on my face and said, wow, Lord, I am so, so blessed by this. I am so humbled by these thoughts. Of course, we're working our way through the book of, um, 
uh, well, b- uh, the chapter of Romans. And we start off with that there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. That is the cry of the Christian life, isn't it? That when you're in the trenches, when you're in the mud, when you feel condemned, when life is tough, when the battle is going, the banner goes up and there's one banner and that banner flies in the wind and that banner says there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. The great exchange has happened. And so we seek to live our lives by the filter of the work of the Spirit. The Spirit is mentioned 21 times in this chapter. And so the mega miracle has happened in our life. It's a miracle that is even greater than the miracle of creation. What is that mega miracle? That God sent his son to die on the cross so you and I can be sons and daughters of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. If you get up in the morning, look in the mirror and look at yourself and say, I am a mega miracle. You don't seem so sure. (laughs) The Son of God died for you. You are a mega miracle. In fact, even creation groans and sees what God has done through the cross. We were once refugees who have landed on a shore and we've been given identity, we've been given citizenship, we've been given status, we have been given so much by the Lord Jesus Christ. See, religion never did it. See, Paul knew this because he knew that for all his religious Pharisaic attitude of religion, It didn't change the ego, the anger, the frustration. It didn't change the the inner man. The law did not change the inner man. It didn't change the flesh. It did not change the inner nature. Because the inner nature of of man, that wild horse, of that we, we are driven in a certain way, cannot be transformed by religious activity. It can only be transformed by the power and the work of the Spirit of God in you. Don't do it through religion. Do it through the power of the Spirit, Paul is saying. And then he says, verse 5, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about the sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. This is the battle we are all in. That our thinking, our brains, move from thinking the way of the flesh to thinking the way of the spirit. It's a slow movement of a scale that moves. I don't know if you remember at school, I used to, uh, you won't remember my school, but we used to do cooking lessons. And... um, I guess home economics or whatever they call it now. And, and we used to have the old scales. These days I have electrical, uh, digital grams. I, I, if I'm running a marathon or getting ready or trying to lose weight, I, I, I become obsessive with the grams. But there you watch the scale as you've got the weight and you put the the flour and the measurements on, and the scales shift in a direction to get it right. What the apostle is saying here is that your heart needs to shift. 
in a direction whereby you move from being led by your own selfish, fleshly desires and you shift towards being led by God's Spirit inside of your life. See, we, everybody's in a prison. Humanity is in a prison, in a prison of sin. And yet that prison is present, that prison there, we make it nice. We enjoy our life. It feels more like an open prison, but we're still trapped. We're still in that prison. But what the apostle is saying is there came a day in our prison when a shaft of light came in, when we were liberated from our routine of prison and we received the power of of the Holy Spirit. We were born again. And that power dwells within us. And it is present. He says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about the things that please the Spirit. Notice in verse 5, there are, only, there, there are two ways that the apostle says we think. We either think by the flesh and by the attitudes of our own wild nature. Oh, the Bible uh, commentators and, and, and translators struggled over the word flesh because it doesn't mean our body. It means our inner nature that has a propensity to head down, to head low, to be negative, to be bitter, to be e full of uh, anger, full of resentment, full of churning emotions that ruin who God designed us to be. On the other hand, the apostle says, we can be full of the spirit and have a mind that is set on things above. That is the power of Christ. That is our journey. That is who we are called to be. I am called to be a man that does not Think in the flesh, in my carnal, judgmental, angry mind. I am called to be a Christian who is transformed by the power of the work of the Spirit. And the way I think is I think on things above, not on things below. How are you doing with that? That is, oh good, amen. <laughs> that is our journey, isn't it? To think. So there seems to be two kinds of people. There are those that think in the way of the spirit. And there are those who think the way of the flesh. The frightening thing is that our churches can be full of people thinking in the flesh. And not a paying attention to the mind of the spirit. Oh, they, uh, we always think about categories of people. If, you, um, if you've done psychometric testing, of which I have a number of times, seems, um, you know, strength finder. Anybody done strength finder? Where you find out your strengths. Uh, Myers-Briggs. According to Cambridge Analytica, who has now gone bust and bankrupt, they were able to work out through 5,000 points how you would vote, what you would do, the kind of character you are. In fact, some researchers have said they can tell before a person becomes depressed 
They can tell whether they're going to become depressed or even mentally ill by what they put on Facebook. Particularly the cats that people put on Facebook. You see, often the world breaks us down. If you look at my character profile, I'm what's called a woo, apparently. I don't feel very wooing at the moment. It means I win other people over. I like to meet new people. Every taxi driver becomes my best friend. And, and we're, I knew I was a woo. Uh, you remember when we used to have video stores and go and get videos? They were, yeah? <laughs> remember that? Blockbusters. You remember Blockbusters? When I was in my 20s, I used to go to one video store and chat to the manager. I knew I'd got woo because... He invited me to his wedding. <laughs> and he saw him on a Friday night, every Friday night for my Friday night movie. Those days have gone with Netflix. We have our characters. We have who we are. We are Republican or a Democrat. We're NDP or we are liberal or conservative. We put us into these categories. You are middle class, if you're in Britain, high class, working class, blue collar, white collar. Gosh, we like to put people into categories. Biblically, there are only two characters, categories. What's that? A Christian of the flesh or one of the spirit? Only two. And there is only of the flesh and of the spirit. You see, the flesh, he says, satisfies and gratifies the things of the flesh. And we trace after the things of the flesh. And the things of the flesh give us rewards and treasures. But the apostle says we should chase after the things of the spirit. And that has treasures. So there is always a choice for the Christian whether we seek after the things of the flesh or we seek after the things of the spirit, the things of God, an intimacy with Christ, a closeness with him, a dynamic prayer life, journaling and listening and allowing God's love to consume us. Or I'm chasing after the flesh. Now let me say something that may surprise you. Religious people can also chase after the flesh, but it's a different kind of flesh. It's a religious activity. Jesus taught that people love their religion because they love the position. They love their religion because they love the money they can make of it. They love their religion because it puffs them up and makes them to be noticed. See, religion can also be fleshly. But we have to ask ourselves, what is the most important voice in our life? Is it this Bible? Is it the Spirit? Is it the presence of God? <laughs> Our family, we do things together, particularly in the winter. One of them, uh, of course, you can think I'm skiing. Yes, we've tried that. Love it. Um, my wife doesn't get on with it so well. I go and ski. She writes in a coffee shop. Seems to work for our marriage. And it's great. 
But we always, we love to watch the voice. Not the end of the voice, but the auditions. The voice. Because you've got, oh, I don't know if you ever watched it, but they have these big four chairs. Uh, Tom Jones, good old Welsh singer. Miley Cyrus, I think, was in it. Will something Smith, or not that one. Um, and some other, Alicia Keys or somebody. And, and, and the, vo the people step out, and then they listen to the sound. And it's always like interesting to put the voice with the person, isn't it? And then you hear this bang and they turn around. Makes me wonder, and there's like everybody cheers, an amazing voice comes out. And when they get a four chair turn, wow. And, uh, and by the time it gets to the sing-offs, we're not interested. We like the suspense of the people turning. I have asked myself the question, how do I become a man of God where the chairs of heaven turn and God hears my voice and my prayers? What is that voice like? What is that like in our lives? Well, Psalm 42 says this, As a deer longs for the streams of water, so I long for you. Oh God, I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? Boom! The chairs of heaven turn. Because when a man or a woman prays this verse, longs for this moment, I thirst for God. See, that's what the apostle is saying. Set your mind on things above. Live by the Spirit, not by the flesh. Thirst for God as your deepest desire within your life. Boom! The chairs of heaven change. I'm going to ignore that alarm. The chairs of heaven turn as God looks towards a man and a woman who goes, I, I thirst for God. I long for you. What about Psalm, Psalm 63? Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you. In this parched and weary land where there is no water. That's the kind of Christian we I truly want to be. I want to be that Christian that longs, that thirsts, that desires. Psalm 73 verse 25. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything else. On earth. Whom do you desire? Who do you thirst for? What do you long for? For as a man thinketh, so he is. Do you long for God? Do you long for intimacy? Do you long for heaven to turn its head and to see you because you are that person that desires? You see, it comes down to the way that we think the things that we dwell on, the way that we lean towards, the, the, the place where we put our deepest desires, that what we want is to touch heaven. What we want is to 
live by the Spirit. What we want is to dwell and to linger and to meditate and to live in a place where the most important thing to us as believers in Christ is our living relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Wow. That's why I became a Christian. Because of that intimacy. See, if your Christianity is boring, and if your Christianity isn't working, and your Christianity isn't happening, there's a very good reason for this. And there's something you must do. I know the answer. You must lose something from your life. There's too much junk in your life and it's time to lose it. There's too much doing and not enough being with God. And it's time to jettison some things from your life. My little son, when he starts to play with his Lego and he starts to play with his toys, he puts them all over his bedroom floor. And sometimes I walk in and he's sat in a little spot and he's just surrounded by toys. And there's no room for me. And I'll say, he'll say, Daddy, I say yes, come and play with me. I'd love to. But there's no room for Daddy in the bedroom. Do you know what he does then? He just pushes all the toys to the side. He says, there's room. Isn't it time that we push all the things to the side and we say there's room for God again in our lives. It's a continuous journey that there is room for God in our lives. So those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about the sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think, dwell, linger, the things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. I guarantee that if you haven't got peace in your life, it's because you're letting your sinful nature lead you. And it's time to put that to death. See, What we do in church, we talk about that there are three kinds of Christians. There are, well, there are non-Christians, there are normal Christians, and then there are spiritual Christians. The Apostle says that there's, it's not that. There are either non-Christians in his writing, or there are spiritual Christians. That's it. So that's why you've got a problem at times with your battle, because we try and say, I'm just a Christian. There's no such thing as just a Christian. You have had salvation of God's great plan revolutionize your life. You've had a deposit of heaven. You are born again. You are destined for eternity to rule and to reign with Christ. You will experience an Easter morning when your body will rise, even as Christ's body rise. And yet we somehow 
just want to be normal. You can't be a normal Christian. It's very frustrating. Because there's no peace there. Paul says, it's of the Spirit. It's of the Spirit. It's of where you thirst. It's where you desire. It's where you head towards. And I, the reason I felt a burden to backtrack a bit in Romans and capture this is because this is my ongoing journey that I want to love him first and I want to jettison the thinking of the flesh. I want to live that life where Jesus is changing me. It goes on to say about putting to death areas of our sinful nature. It uses the biblical word uh, in the King James, mortify, which means to cut off, to destroy, or to put to death. And the problem is that Christians in the 21st century are not very good at putting to death the sinful nature. We don't even preach that anymore. But to live a spirit-filled life means that we've got to learn to die. And there are those areas of one's life, those attitudes, those feelings, those inner struggles, that it's quite simple what you have to do. You have to mortify them, as the King James Bible says. You have to put them to death. That resentment, put it to death. Mortify it. Chop it off, cut it free, break it. That ego, that arrogance, cut it off, put it down, destroy it in Christ. That jealousy, that lust, break it, cut it down. And I can tell you, as a man, that the power of Christ can do that in your life. Hallelujah. I am more free now than I've ever been in the whole of my life. But it comes with that psalm. What do you thirst for? What do you long for? What are you willing? Let's pray. As we pause before we pray, maybe there is now a response in your own heart that you truly have to reevaluate where your mind is. You have to evaluate your own spiritual journey. Maybe there's even areas that you know that you've been thinking on things below but not thinking on things above. That your treasure is not your relationship with Jesus as the highest treasure. 
It is a privilege to follow Jesus. What is your next step? For some of you, it's as simple as starting to read your Bible every day this week and start to pray. Lord, we thank you for the message of the, of the apostle in Romans that teaches us something about a, a, a life that for many of us is such a sort of distant. But Lord, we ask you, to transform our inner life, to move the scale, that we may turn the chairs of heaven because God hears a voice, a voice that grabs heaven's attention because that voice is one that thirsts, that longs, that dwells, that seeks, that is tilted towards heaven. Give us the courage Give us the courage, Lord, to really go deeper and deeper in our spiritual walk, I pray. In the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. So good to be with you. And uh, over the next months, different campus pastors are going to come and share with you, connect in. Do read the spring um, news. Um, uh, report. It just gives you an overview of what's going on, what's happening. It'll give you a nice picture of what's happening in our church and the many, many ministries and activities that we're involved in. And um, it's not good to be alone. And we are, I know you're completely, you feel like a completely different town. I know that. And the drive is 20 minutes. I know that because I, 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 in my mind, I thought it was 10. And <clears throat> and I'm thinking, oh, they're going to be wondering, Mike's going to have to preach. But can I remind you, we are stronger together for the sake of the gospel in this valley. And there are parts of BC now, we're down to one little church that preaches the gospel. We're in danger of a spiritual desert if we don't see the church renewed. God wants to do that. Let's stand together. Bless you.